This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo Engineering tonight. Kyle Earhart rejoins us here on the show. A quick reminder, we are live on Facebook. We do apologize last week. The Wi-Fi was down on the LIU Post campus. We were not able to broadcast our video stream. To listen to our audio stream tonight on the Wave, that is the new sound of LIU at liuwave.org. If you want to call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030 is the number. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our weekly podcast on anchor.fm slash review and preview. We broadcast live Friday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, first off, Kyle, welcome back. Good to be back. Missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you too, and uh, we know you have a lot to uh, analyze tonight on the Jets and the Mets, but first we'll give you folks a quick rundown of how our show is going to go. We're going to talk the Mets, we're going to talk the Yankees, we will quickly analyze the MLB playoff race, followed by our team of the week. We will talk Giants, Jets, recap the week one NFL games, get to our quick pick segment. So, without further ado... Let's talk about the week that was for the New York Mets, and lately they have been a hot baseball team. Uh, this weekend series against the Phillies, they did lose two out of three, but on Friday night, the Mets were able to salvage out a win with Steven Matz on the mound, and they got to Zach Eflin. It, was, it wasn't the best outing for him. He's been very up and down this year, and Conforto hit a home run in this game. So, I mean, it was good to see. It was a great way to start the weekend. Yeah, I mean, start the weekend on a win. All you had to do was maybe just split one-on-one Saturday and Sunday. You talk, all right, take two out of three from the Phillies, who are right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I guess it didn't really turn out the way that we, as Mets fans, hoped. No, it did not. Um, Saturday and Sunday both resulting in losses. The Mets got blanked on Saturday with Drew Smiley on the mound, went seven strong, and Hernandez hit a home run in this game. Stroman, since coming over to the Mets this summer, Kyle, uh, he has not looked great. I know he had a better start this week, but this weekend game against Philly, four innings, five runs, ten hits, tough to watch. Yeah, he's you know, hasn't been good since or well since coming over from Toronto. But like we we look at midseason acquisitions, and like, I feel like every midseason acquisition, it's it's hard to adjust. Especially you come to New York, it's hard to adjust to the New York environment coming from a place in Toronto where you know, who cares to come into New York? It's like a whole new atmosphere. So like I get why he's struggling, but you know this is a playoff race, right? So we need we need every pitcher, every starting pitcher, must need to keep winning and winning give him the benefit of the doubt but yeah you're right playoff race it's it's time to put uh, kick it into high gear um you know this is crunch time and the good news saturday though was the mets did activate third baseman jed lowry from the 60 day injured list he has been on the injured list all season and game three the mets just did not have anything defensively on Sunday. Syndergaard got rocked in five innings. 
Paul Seawald took the loss. Kingery, Hazley, and Franco all hit dingers. Ramos and Cano, in the effort, hit a couple of home runs for the Mets. You know, it's great to see Cano back in this lineup. It was a shame because back in August, he was just getting hot, and then he gets hurt again. Yeah. Yeah. What impact does Cano have down the stretch? I guess Cano can bring that veteran leadership. You know, the guy's been in the year for over 12 years now, 12, 13 years. And he's he's been a solid contact double hitter. And at the beginning of the year, he definitely struggled. As we saw, he, he was horrible at the beginning of the year. But ever since the All Star break and before he got hurt, he was he's been he's been great. He's been on fire. Him and Todd Frazier right now, the two oldies, the two vets, are carrying this ball club the, the past week or so. Let's talk about Todd Frazier for a second now, Kyle. That you bring him up. Yesterday, starts the game off with a solo shot, pulls it into left field. And Frazier does not want to let it end like this. It's the end of his two-year deal this year. And quite frankly, everybody's talking about Jed Lowry at third next year, possibly McNeil. But I think Todd Frazier is really making a case for himself to stay on this Mets team on a possible short-term deal. I might be in the minority when I say that, but that's how I feel. I think they should bring him back. I don't know. Uh, I I, gr- I disagree with that. Uh, I think Todd Frazier needs to go. I think this Mets team needs to go younger. And having a body like Todd Frazier, as much as I like Todd, who, who doesn't like Todd, I'm pretty sure Russo loved Todd when he was on the Yankees. My favorite player. Uh, I just feel like, you know, you put McNeil at third base, you keep J.D. Davis in left field, Nimmo will be back a full year next year in Conforto. I don't think there's a spot for Todd Frazier in this team anymore. I think there's always a spot for a leader. A veteran. Like him. Yeah. Um, my thing is this. I don't care who you are, how talented you are. You haven't played a game all season. Like, I understand you can't control that, but you see it. There's no loyalty in this game, in any sport, really. Yeah. And realist, I I think the Mets will be missing. I mean, 21 home runs, 66 RBIs for a guy who did miss the first month of the season, essentially – I mean, I think that's pretty good. You know what you're going to get with him. At, at, at least, like, a one-year deal, a cheap deal that won't affect you financially. Because I know there's other holes the Mets need to, to fill in this offseason, preferably the bullpen. Yeah, Russo, what's your take on that? From an outsider looking in, a, a player you've seen play on your team for a short period of time and the value that he brings. I think that personally... Todd Frazier is a fantastic player. You never hear anything bad about the guy. Everybody loves him for the most part. And, you know, he is getting older, so his his numbers aren't looking so great. But at the end of the day, and a question, is Jed Lowry on a one-year deal or a two-year deal? Oh, I believe, I, I'm pretty sure it's a two-year deal. Yeah. Well, well, then if it's a two-year, I mean, Jed Lowry probably automatically gets that spot, even if even if he's been hurt throughout the entire year because, you know, they probably brought him in so they could slowly move Todd Frazier out yeah. of that spot. Yeah. Right. So if he's on a two-year, I mean, it, it would probably go out to him next season unless he gets hurt again. Just keep in mind, he is 35 now. I, I, we make the argument about the Mets getting younger. Frazier's younger than Lowry. Yeah, Frazier's but 32. Lowry was an all-star yeah. last, last year. year. Yeah. That's something to keep in mind as well. 23 home runs, 99 RBIs. That cannot be overlooked. So do Frazier and Lowry both stay next year? Most likely not. Um, But, yeah, we'll see how this 
ends up for the Mets, but there are bigger things to worry about than that right now. The Arizona Diamondbacks come in for a four-game slate. The Mets win on Monday, 3-1. to one. DeGrom looked really strong. Seven innings, typical DeGrom, 11 strikeouts. Seth Lugo, the six-out save, I believe. He came in for two innings. Mm-hmm. Pete Alonzo hits 46-47 and 47 on Monday. They got to Merrill Kelly. The only spark of offense for the Diamondbacks was ex-Met Wilmer Flores hitting a home run in his old ballpark. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say, right? Jacob DeGrom just is Jacob DeGrom. Like, not much to say anymore. This guy is... I don't think he's a human sometimes. It's the way he is on the mound. <laughs> he's a proven player. Yeah, like 20, he, 21 outs, 11 of them are strikeouts. More than half his outs are strikeouts. And this is an Arizona team that coming in won 11 of 12. He made them look like the Baltimore Orioles out there. Yeah. It, it was, Jacob DeGrom, I mean, to me, he's a Cy Young winner. I know he's got him and Ryu and Scherzer, but to me, I, I think Jacob DeGrom is without a doubt a Cy Young winner for me. I was actually just about to ask you that on what you thought about that. A guy who is nine and eight with a two seven ERA. I'm going to be honest. Hot take. I think Ryu has pitched himself out of the CY yeah, Young been, discussion. He yeah. has gotten obliterated yeah. the last couple starts, and I think he's going to get obliterated tomorrow. I hope so. The Mets' offense has been hot. He's playing against the pitching matchup is against Degrom, right yeah. so maybe that'll be the proven game. Um, side turns too. Yes, and Degrom has never had a career ERA over three five for the record. That's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty. And incredible. Ryu, on the other hand, you cannot say the same for him. Uh, he's been very iffy. Back in 2016, his ERA was almost 12. Yeah, he he only played one game that year, but that was a pretty bad outing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, moving on to Tuesday's game against the Diamondbacks. Zach Wheeler was the Zach Wheeler that you want to see. It's more than likely that Zach Wheeler will not be back next season, depending on what the Mets decide to do with him and his contract. But Zach Wheeler, this season, we're talking about the present moment, not what could happen in three or four months from now. This is a guy you need down the stretch to pitch well if the Mets have any shot at making the playoffs. And he proved it. Seven innings of one-run ball against the Diamondbacks, who, quite frankly, weren't they the hottest team in the, yeah. in the National League? Yeah, so I said. Yeah. They won 11 of 12 going to the series. They've been the hottest team in the National League. And I think getting swept by the Mets, I think. I mean, I know their schedule down the stretch is a joke. But I think getting swept by the Mets, I think that uh, might have summed the end of their season a little Pulls bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not good. Zach Gallen was not good either. And Todd Frazier had three RPIs. Just to tell you the type of week that Todd Frazier has had. Um, and then Justin Wilson got the save. See, the Mets Scary. are going to other options. They're not going to Diaz for saves. They're going to Lugo. They're going to Wilson. Well, because you don't, you can't have trust in the guy anymore. Well, they're trying to, you know, I it, it is hurting his confidence, but sometimes putting less pressure on a guy could help as well to get him back into his groove. If he needs to be the seventh or eighth inning guy right now, so so be it. Yeah, I just he, I can't see him on the mound in the ninth inning this season. Didn't he? He just blew another save last week. I well, he, they wanted him winning though. 
It went to yeah. They uh, I think last Friday night because I was it texting was James. I was listening to the show and watching the Mets. I go Diaz in the game. Oh no, Mets pulled the save and then Pete Alonso yes. was Pete Alonso got walked in like the game winning run or whatever. But uh for me going down the stretch, the key for me was is Diaz going to hold up? And <laughs> obviously saw that Nationals game last Friday night. The whole season, Diaz the same story. Just. Not not good. Not good. Just, just awful. <laughs> Considering the Mets still have a shot in this thing, it's just like it's insane. It's insane. They're in every opportunity. Yelich is now out for the year. I mean, so Milwaukee's yeah, no longer Christian Yelich with a fractured kneecap. Yeah. That's brutal. That's a shame for the Brewers, but it does open a door for the Mets. For the Mets, and I know I'm sure you guys know people that are at this game tonight. You know, yep. to the Paul and Nick Lombardi, my friends from Connecticut, are at this game as well. Yeah. And they're cheering on the Mets. And, you know, I went to a game back in mid-August. And this team, early August, sorry, because I was on vacation in mid-August. But this team looked really good. They're giving you something to cheer about. Regardless if they make the playoffs or not, they're playing meaningful baseball in September. Now, let's break down this wild card picture right now before we analyze game three of the Diamondback series. So, um, as you know, the Mets are winning tonight right now, one nothing over the Dodgers in the top of the fourth. But you're looking at the standings, it's the two wild card teams, and then it's the Mets. There's nobody Well, Mil- Milwaukee is. Milwaukee is half a game back, but they should be we're assuming off. that they're yeah. going to drop. Yeah. That's what we're assuming. Um and then the Mets are tied with Philadelphia, who has the toughest schedule remaining out of all the teams still in the hunt. You pretty much just eliminated Arizona. So, realistically, you're competing with the Cubs and the Nationals. And quite frankly, the Nationals have lost six out of their last ten. And and I, actually, I disagree. I think you're competing with Milwaukee, too, because outside the Cardinals this weekend, they have the Padres for four. They have the Pirates, Reds, and Colorado. And those are teams that are nowhere near the playoff race and who are in the bottom of the National League. Through and through, the Brewers are on a seven-game winning yeah. streak as well. And they just got Mike Moustakas back, too. Yeah, I, I just, I, Obviously, losing Yelich is huge, but their schedule is very favorable. So, uh, I mean, I just think if you win this series against the Dodgers, you got to believe that the Mets are going to finish better than Milwaukee. That's my opinion. Yeah, probably. That's my take on it. It's just just a shame because it's fun. The Mets two weeks ago when they got swept by the Cubs and then swept by the Braves in a six-game losing streak, they just would have won one of those games, man. They would be right in it right now. They'd be tied or one game back to the two, and who knows what could have happened. Valid point. Speaking of sweeps, let's continue with this four-game sweep. Game three, Mats on the mound in a 9-0 blowout win. Mats was good. Uh... No runs, four hits in six innings. McNeil and Frazier each hit two home runs. This was a three-home run uh, sequence for Todd Frazier Todd Frazier across the past two days. Jeff McNeil hit two home runs. He's not a power guy, but he has some pop in him. And also, the man that everybody forgets about, Brandon Nimmo, who people were calling for him to be demoted to AAA earlier this season, is back from injury. He hits a home run in this game as well, and part of the reason why the Mets have been so good, Robbie Ray lasted two-thirds of an inning. This is a guy the Yankees were desperate to get at the deadline. They don't need him. 
I don't know. Robbie Ray, you want to hear this? Yep. Five runs, five hits, two home runs, and two thirds of an inning pitched. Ouch. Yeah. And a guy that used to own the Need Mets, a too. He does. Yeah. Oof. He, and even better, just, you know, it's not in the stat book, but Mets nine runs, 11 hits on 9 11. It was good to see also. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh that's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that. I mean, it's destined, I guess. We all know what happened back in two thousand one. Uh, the first game back, at Shea, Mike Piazza with the home run. That might have been possibly the best moment um, in Mets history, possibly. Uh, b- besides the World Series, yeah, in of game course. Six, but yeah. we're talking about regular season moments. That was definitely up there. Probably a top three moment for me um, at six years old watching that game. Anyway, so game four. The Mets win 11-1. to Marcus Stroman gets the win. Good for him. Six and a third. One run, four hits. Uh, break down his performance in that game, Kyle. What did you see from Stroman differently than what he's been producing his first few starts as a Met? Uh, his sinker was definitely working. Uh, I was able to actually watch most of this game, and his sinker was definitely had more sink in it uh, this time than the last few outings. Uh, seems like he's comfortable now. Maybe, hopefully. And uh, maybe this is the picture the Mets hoped that they were getting when the first initially when they traded for him. Valid point. And, and then obviously the Mets offense, 11 runs. I mean, Russo could be pitching, and the Mets will probably still win if they score 11 runs. So They would have scored 11 innings on me in the first – 11 <laughs> runs in the first day <laughs> if I was pitching. <laughs> and Juan Lagares hit two home runs in this game. Two home runs, six RBIs in this game for Juan Lagares, his first career grand slam. The Mets hit six home runs in this game as a team. Cano, Conforto, Frazier again, and Tomas Nito. Love to see it. Six home runs. Yeah. Six. And, and the Apple starts to work in after the sixth one, too, which is uh, kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Only the Mets. Only the Mets. Um, yeah, and Alex Young did not last long, just two and two-thirds. Pete Alonso heading into this series against the Dodgers. The impact that he's had on this team this year, 47 home runs, 109 RBIs. I mean, he has just been fantastic this season. Clearly will win National League Rookie of the Year. It's no, not no. even a discussion. And now he might have a legitimate chance to compete for an MVP because now you move Yelich off that bar now that he's out for the year. And he might he, he might contend. He might be in that top three. He might be on the list, but he's not going to win it. No. Uh, I don't think his average is good enough. Uh, you know, hitting around 265, 270, that's not going to do it. Um, Alonzo actually has the night off tonight, by the way, for the Mets. Um which is weird against the best team in the National League. But anyway. Uh, Mickey Calloway. Mickey Calloway. The bigger story here is Noah Syndergaard, who is on the mound tonight. There was beef about him. He doesn't like pitching to Wilson Ramos. Well, guess what? Too bad. Tough. You are at work. You pitch to the catcher you are assigned to. Now, Kyle, I know there's been a lot of uh, – disliking towards the way Ramos frames pitches this year and he's not the best defensive catcher but what is your take on that that headline I just you know you're a grown man and (laughs) I know you know you have better stats with Nito and Rene Rivera but 
Wilson Ramos gives you the best position to win because of his bat. I I just don't I, I don't understand where Noah is coming from with this. I, I get he's had a lot of bad starts with Ramos, but it, it just makes no sense to me. It's like childish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really childish because you have what Degrom doesn't complain. I've never heard Wheeler complain. I never heard Matt's complain, and uh, Stroman too, who's also very erratic at times and loves you know defensive catchers. He doesn't complain either. So I don't know why Noah thinks he's able to complain. Makes no sense. Yeah, I would. I, I would say so. And this is a big game tonight because you're going against Clayton Kershaw, the best southpaw in the league. This is not a game that you can just sleep on. Um, speaking of this game, the Dodgers now lead the Mets 4-1. to What just happened? Lux just hit a three-run bomb, and prior to that, A.J. Pollock had an RBI single. Oh, boy. Well. So get the arms out, fresh and toasty in that bullpen, guys. Um, it's going to be a long night. Top of the fourth inning. It's a shame because the Mets did have a one nothing lead off J.D. Davis, who hit his 19th home run of the year, off of Clayton Kershaw. Ouch. But the good news is the Mets will have Jacob DeGrom on the mound tomorrow against Hinjin Ryu, who's been rocky as of late. Two guys in the CY Young discussion. Game three on Sunday, Walker Buehler against Zach Wheeler. That should be an interesting matchup as well. Um... That pretty much wraps up the Mets segment. Uh, where do you see this team finishing? Do, do you see them getting in or maybe on the outside looking in? Uh, I do do not think the Mets will make the playoffs. I said this earlier when even went on the run. I just don't think the Mets are deep enough compared to the Cubs to get into the playoffs, sadly. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So on that note, we'll let you guys uh, know what – happens next week see if the Mets are still in the race as we're approaching the midway point in September when we come back we're going to talk some New York Yankees baseball you're listening to review and preview here on liuwave.org welcome back to review and preview folks roots we do have here in the studio I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Earhart to my left, Kyle Russo to my right. You can listen to our live show tonight live on liuwave.org, the new sound of LIU. You can watch our video stream on my iPad up there at Facebook Live. If you want to call in, our call-in number is 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. Let's jump in to the Bronx Bombers, we shall call them. They have a record of 97-51. and 51. They are currently first place in the American League. They had a pretty solid weekend up in Boston against the Red Sox. They took three out of four. Let's talk about game one. The Sox won. Shakin made the start. Mitch Moreland hit a three-run bomb. And German was not himself. With all the Yankees pitching issues, Kyle, who would start game one of the ALDS today? It'd still be German because they really they don't have any. Who is the better option? Realistically, Paxton. You, you could say Paxton. Paxton. But I, I don't know if it would be him. Paxton is playoff experience. 
I just don't think it'd be him. I'm, I might move Paxton ahead of Tanaka now at this point in the season, but I don't think I'd put him number one. I really don't think I would. I think it'd be difficult to. Uh, if, I, if the ALDS was to start today, I would have to say that German would be the starter. What do you think, Kyle? I'm still going with Tanaka because Tanaka has proven in big games he can pitch. And game one at home, who else would you like to have on the mound than Tanaka, your big game pitcher? That's how I look at it. That's a good way to look at it. My thing is Tanaka is definitely a high-risk, high-reward type of guy. Um, I guess you're just hoping for the good Tanaka. I mean, you're hoping for the good of all these pitchers because they really are. There's, it's very iffy with these pitchers. Let's talk about the next pitcher, Yep, J.A. Happ. The Yankees win game two, five to one. Happ went six and a third, no runs, two hits, seven strikeouts. Encarnacion walked the plank and went deep. And the Yankees won this game five to one. Happ, this was a good start. Now he's had two good starts in a row. Does he crack the Yankees playoff rotation if he keeps this up? No. I still don't think he does. His first half of the season was so horrendous. And even uh, that, even if he was to have an unbelievable season this season, it, it would be difficult for me to put him in the top end of the pitching order rather than the bottom end. Like, if if he was having a decent season this season, I still wouldn't put him in the top three pitches. I'd put him at four or five. But after that last year's game against Boston in the playoffs, I mean, it's just it's really difficult, especially when he's not your guy to really have that trust and faith within him. You know, uh, rather than Gurman or Tanaka or even CeCe at this point in his career, you just have that sort of faith in them as an organization that they've been with you for a while now and you know what they're capable of, as opposed to Hap. You know, you just acquired from Toronto a little over a year ago. He really didn't do so great second half of last season after he was traded. Got shell-shocked against Boston in the playoffs. He's been really, really bad this year. I was surprised they actually signed him back. And uh, and he's had a couple good games, but Boston is now a decimated team. They're not the same Boston team that won the World Series. I mean, you could see. They're, I believe Boston even has the same record as the Mets right now. I believe a 76-70 and 70 record right now. The Boston Red Sox, yes, do in fact have the same record of the Mets and yeah. also have been eliminated from yeah. playoff contention already. Yeah. That's it really goes bad. to show you uh, the tale of two leagues, AL and the NL. The NL a lot more tight. The American League, you got to be on your game every day. Uh, well, of course, you need to be on your game every day regardless of the league, but the American League, there is definitely less room for error. Um, game three in the series, Tanaka went on the mound. Four runs and eight hits, but the Yankees provided him good offense. Winning 10-5. to Chad Green has been great out of the bullpen. Yankees hit another three home runs with Judge, Torres, and Talkman. Glaber has 36 home runs this season. Incredible. He, he's been the silent Porcello. hero. He's been the silent hero of yeah. the season. He really has been. Yeah. And I know a lot of those home runs came from Baltimore. I think he has like 11 to 12 from Baltimore. But he's been unbelievable. Just the power that has come with him. Because he, he's not supposed to be a power hitter, but... By the end of the season, Glaber could have 40 home runs, to be honest with you. If he's got a decent chunk of games left to hit about another five, I'd give it to him, to be honest. I would say so. And Aaron Judge already has north of 20. Yep. And he missed most of the and year. And he missed like 60 games. 
Yeah. Goes to show, huh? Yep. He, right now, I mean, has 22 home runs and 49 RBIs, hitting 273 in 90 games played. It's not bad numbers. No, it's not. Realistically, the only two guys that have been healthy the whole season have been Gleyber Torres and DJ LeMahieu. If he's missed any time, it's been like a game or two. But those have been their most consistent players. Gio Urshela's been rock solid, too. He has north of 20 home runs. Manny Machado who, right? I mean, all the Yankees fans wanted Manny Machado. They got Gio Urshela, and I'm pretty sure they're not mad at that. Not mad by the outcome of that. But, of course, we didn't know. We didn't know coming into the season because Andujar was your guy, and he was a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. Gio Urshela stepped in. He, he's giving you power, and he's giving you defense. Game four. James Paxton, my pick to be the number one starter in the rotation, can play off time, takes the mound, goes six and two-thirds, no runs, four hits, seven strikeouts, got good offense, Romine and Urshela going deep. Eduardo Rodriguez was good but not good enough. The Red Sox were blanked in this game 5 nothing. Jackie Bradley Jr. had three hits, but nothing else. Officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yanks take three of four. But the performance of Paxton that has uplifted, it seems like, the rest of this rotation. I mean, we know Tanaka has been pretty good all season. German has been good for the most part. But Tanaka upping his performance what has that done to these other pitchers do you think happen uh yeah i can't even think of anybody else Hap playing better now do you think that's a result of paxton or what's the deal with james paxton kyle the deal with james i really don't know to be honest with you because he the first half of the season was abysmal and now i mean i don't, I don't want to say it but i, I feel like james had last week i talked about how james paxton had seven wins in a row so i get this would be his eighth win in a row I mean, so he's basically been unbeatable in the last two months. In the second half of the season. Yeah, the Would second you say half of the season. he has produced excellent work? A phenomenal work based off of, you know, what the Yankees had to get him for, what they traded away, and then what he was the first half of the season. Now what he's been able to do, turn it around, really. I'd say it started off more as interesting work. Oh, it started more <laughs> now it's excellent. terrible work. <laughs> now it's a lot better. It's a lot better. Let's get to the Detroit series. Surprisingly, the Yankees give up 12 runs in Game 1. This was the ugliest game of the year, to be honest with you. Oh, boy. This was ugly. <laughs> this was really ugly. They had a 6-0 lead early. Who started for you guys? Was it Cortez? Yeah, it was Cortez. But oh. he didn't – I don't think he – it wasn't him. I think it was Sessa. Sessa, I think, gave up – let me see. Cortez, I believe, gave up – yeah, Cortez gave up four runs, and then Sessa, I believe, gave up two or three. And then – the Yankees at one point late in the game, they had the lead, and then they blew that. I believe that was due to, I want to say Britain. I want to say Britain blew the lead. Sounds believe, about right. Yeah, it does. <laughs> in about the eighth or the ninth inning, and then Detroit just took over. But, yeah, this was a bad game. This was this is a game they'd like to have back. I know as a fan I'd like to have that game back because that's – doesn't matter. I mean, you know, at, this, at this point you're just chasing wins because you locked up the number one seed – you basically, uh, if they keep this up, they should have home. But this was just a bad game. This was a really bad game. Offensive-wise, I mean, the batting-wise, it was great. Just pitching was bad. Gardner and Didi each hit a pair of home runs. 
and Torres and Encarnacion had a home run each. They had six home runs. And they still lost the game somehow. Tell you. Yep. Game two, we go back to Hap. Yanks win 10-4. Hap only went four and two-thirds, but two runs, seven hits, and six strikeouts. Chad Green locks down the win. Encarnacion and Voigt go deep. They really took it to Matt Boyd. He took the L. Um, again, Yankees hit six home runs in this game. Kyle Hap, this game against Detroit. I know he's not going as long as you would like, but it, at least he's showing signs of improvement. But like, I, I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, this I is mean, just. But like, if you does look, he have a shot for the bullpen at least? I just know. I, I just don't know where you take him out of the bullpen because if you're pulling him out of the bullpen, it has to be in like a game where somebody only pitched four or five innings. Like, but if if let's say Tanaka gives you seven innings, I'm not mm-hmm. putting in Hap in the eighth. I'm not doing that. Oh no, of course not. You put in Chad Green. Or you put in Ottavino and you have Chapman with a save in the ninth. Off-speed stuff is filthy. Yeah. Uh, so I don't – unless a, a starting pitcher has a terrible game, that's where Hap would come in. But, I mean, this is this is Detroit. They're, the wor- they're like the worst team in the baseball, I believe. They are the worst team in baseball. Yeah, they're the worst team in baseball. I mean, Worse than the be, Orioles. He should be putting up these numbers. The Yankees now lead the major leagues in home runs with 280. They broke their own record of last year. But so did the Minnesota Twins, who did it first. But now the Yankees, all of a sudden, quietly, out of nowhere, have more home runs than them. Uh, crazy. And then you see one of their big power hitters all season. Mike Talkman goes down, left calf strain, out six to eight weeks. Boom, goes the dynamite. Again, another player injured for the Yankees. <laughs> Please uh, break this down. I mean, to be honest with you, it... I can't really say anything upon it words. because usually, you know, you talk about a player who's been as impactful as Talkman has been, but then you see what the Yankees have done when they lose impactful players. Next guy steps up, fills in, and nothing happens. Same consistent flow. Nothing. Not a bump in the road. A major league record of injured players in a season, yet they still have 97 wins. And 280 home runs. Comprehend that. Hey, Clint Frazier's back. He should be playing. When he came in in, in the summertime, <laughs> June and May, he had a fantastic yeah. batting average. He had some couple games. I was surprised they sent him down when they did, but he's been good. He's been good, and I'm happy to have him back. Cause well, I know why he got sent down. Yeah. We we know why. Yeah, we know why he got down. sent down, but. That's his one flaw in his game. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, Clint Frazier kind of has an attitude problem. Uh, and it's also not good in the field either. He's not no, good he's defensively. No, he's a defense liability. But yeah. his bat is his, his bat is really good. Yeah, his bat is really good. His bat definitely makes up for it. A lot of people thought he was going to be dealt at the deadline, but he stayed. Yankees are loaded in their farm system too. But let's get to game three. CC takes the mound. Last hurrah. Yankees win six to uh, six to four. CC goes three and a third. Chapman got the save. Judge and Geo each hit a home run. And Detroit starter in this game, a pitcher who surprised many at the beginning of this season, Spencer Turnbull, all of a sudden got demoted to the bullpen. Now he's back starting. Five innings, four runs, seven hits, eight strikeouts, though. That's really good against the Yankees lineup. That's, yeah. That's really good. 
you know, it's a shame that he got hurt because after he got hurt, he came back. He wasn't the same. He just wasn't the same. Um, Detroit, the fact that they even took a game from the Yankees is incredible. Um, and they scored they scored at least four runs in every game this series. That's not bad. No. That's not bad. I mean, they're showing effort. You know, a lot of times, you know you have over 100 losses. You kind of just give up. You just stop trying, and whatever happens, happens. But Detroit is not doing that. They're not doing that. They are Tigers. But With 48 wins. <laughs> Tonight, the Yankees are up in Canada, in Toronto. Masahiro Tanaka on the mound against former Met prospect Anthony Kay, who was traded at the deadline as a part of the Marcus Stroman deal. Anthony Kay making Kyle, it's his second MLB start now? Yeah, second MLB start. How did he do in his first? I think he won like five innings, let up four or five runs. So. He had eight strikes, though, in that game. Yeah, yeah. not terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now, through four against the Yankees, he's given up two runs and seven hits through the four innings pitched. So, hey, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. So, this is a guy to keep an eye on. A 24-year-old southpaw out of Stony Brook. And great to see him. Uh, a, a UConn guy. A UConn guy, Ward Melville High School. Local kid. Good for him. The Ward Melville. Yeah. Stephen Matz. Ward Melville guy, too. <laughs> that is correct. Tomorrow, it'll be James Paxton against Wogs Pack for Toronto. <laughs> Interesting name. I like the Italian. I wonder where that... That's an A for effort. Is that Polish? What would that be? Like, what type of, like, German? Wogs Pack. I don't, oh. I don't even know. Hey, couldn't tell you. We'll look up the surname <laughs> right now. <laughs> Jacob Wogs Pack. Uh, it is German. Oh, it is German. Good wow. job, Kyle. Wow. <laughs> Close. Uh, the Yankees currently trail this game against the Blue Jays 3-2. to two. Clint Frazier just had an RBI double. And Gleyber Torres, I believe Gleyber Torres just grounded out. Yankees have runners on the corners with one out in the top of the fifth. Sunday, the Yankees have yet to name a starter to tee off against T.J. Zook. And the Yankees still have about 12 to 15 guys on the I.L. But good news. They're getting Montgomery, Stanton, and Severino. He will yep. be pitching on Tuesday. Yep. That's great news. Great Yankee news. Fan. Yeah. You know what else is great news? We're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will talk some MLB news and preview the playoff picture and get to our team of the week. You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart. Congratulations. About what? You're in the playoffs. Very happy. Very happy. What they need to get a win in the World Series. I'm not Otherwise, sure you saw what I did season there. Season doesn't win in the playoffs. Congratulations by Post Malone. Oh, congratulations. Oh, there you go. Oh, you play the song coming back from break. Oh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, 
younger generation. God, Oof. help us. It's a little slow. I'm a little slow tonight, guys. A little slow. I'm getting back into the groove of things. <laughs> Yikes. It happens. Anthony Rendon leads the MLB in batting average at 335 on the season. Part of the, uh, the reason why the Nationals are at the top of the two wildcard spots right now. 33 home runs, 117 RBIs on the season. That is tied for the league lead with his division counterpart, Freddie Freeman from the Atlanta Braves. How good is Anthony Rendon? And are him and Freeman the top two for the NL MVP right now? I'd say so. No. Oof. Uh, I think we're forgetting Mr. Cody Bellinger also. Oh, yeah. Who's, no, no, who, who's number one for me? And then probably Rendon and then Freeman. And then I'll put Pete Alonso there at four. Just because, I mean, almost had 50 home runs as a rookie. Pretty impressive. My thing is Bellinger's average has now dropped to 305, and Rendon is at 335. Yeah, but that, Bellinger, that's my argument. Bellinger's, Bellinger's got 45 a lot of, home runs. Yeah, Bellinger's a lot of home runs at RBIs. 44. 44? He is tied with Solar Yelich. And then Alonzo leads the MLB with 47. He has a two-home run lead. Lead Yankees just tie the game 3-3. Three to three. Luke Voigt grounds into a fielder's choice, scoring Austin Romine. There you go. As we did mention before, Christian Yelich, yes, unfortunately, he has been ruled out for the season with a fractured right kneecap. Uh, what does this do to Milwaukee's playoff hopes? Right now they're sitting there. They're half a game back in the wild card. What happens to the Brew Crew moving forward? I think that takes them out of contention, to be honest with you, because even if even if they do make it in miraculously, because I believe they are... They're tied with the uh, half game behind the Cubs. A half game behind the Cubs, but the Cubs have a pretty decent schedule the rest of the season. They just won 17-8 to today. Against the Pirates, and they probably they play them another two or three more times? They they uh, play the Pirates, I think, one more series, and then they face the Cardinals like seven times, which is tough. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. So, realistically, if you're missing your best player, especially a guy of his caliber, MVP candidate, you know, even if you do make it, you're probably not going to go that far. You're probably not going to go that far because to be these National League teams, they're – they're very good. I mean, who are they going to – if they're a wild card team, who would their matchup be up against? Who? The Brewers. If the Brewers win the wild card or come second in the wild card? It would be the Nationals. Nationals. It would be the Nationals. And then they'd probably draw the Dodgers. Well, yeah, because the, the winner of that game would get the Dodgers. Yeah, the Nas- they could probably beat the Nationals. I, I, I would give the outing to that because the problem is with the Nationals is their bullpen is horrible. But once you get to the Dodgers – if if you think about it, is there a National League team right now, guys, that actually is outside the Dodgers that have a good bullpen? I can't. But so, out, is there a team the in, in the Braves? The Braves. But even they even just they, acquired three arms. E- yep. e- even the Braves bullpen isn't like as shut down as people thought it would be. I mean, Washington bullpen's horrible. We know the Mets bullpen's horrible. Even the Cub bullpen's not very good either. Well, besides Diaz, the Mets have one of the best. Uh, bullpen ERAs in the National League in the second half of the season. Which is surprising. Which is very surprising, yes. It was how bad the bullpen was in the first half of the yeah. season. Um, yeah. Speaking of ERA, Hinjin Ryu, his ERA has skyrocketed up. It was once under two. Now it's at two, four, five. And uh, I know we talked about this before, 
that the Grom is clearly a candidate. Is Hinjin Ryu still a candidate for the CY Young? Of course he's still a candidate. Of course he's still a candidate because how many wins does he have? He has, I think he has about 18 or 19 wins. The wins alone keep him in contention. Yeah. And then a 2.4. He's 12 five. and 5. I'm, I'm just. <laughs> Germán and Verlander lead the league in wins that's, at 18. Yeah. But the ERA alone Sorry. puts him in contention because even though a 2.45, yes, it's not that impressive to what we've seen because obviously, listen, we'll be, look what we saw last year You know, with DeGrom and his ERA at the time and other guys with their ERA at the time. Nola, I believe, also had one that was in the low, low twos. But he he's leading the league in ERA right now. Yeah. How, how could he not be in contention? No, I agree. Wait for it. Is Sonny Gray oh my God. in contention for the National League CY Young? Hold on. 10 and 7, 2.8 ERA. He has 190 strikeouts on the season. Couldn't do that in a Yankee form. He's more Couldn't than any Yankee starter has. He just, I don't know. Is it, that true? It, that's more than Paxton? You better find out. I don't think that's more than German or Paxton. And if it is, it's real close. You know who's quietly having a good year that doesn't get enough notice? Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw's thirteen and five. I know he's got a high ERA, but thirteen and five. Well, because the the bats overshadow the play. You know, I mean, he has three point oh six ERA. I mean, he. I know he's not going to get some votes because Degrom and Scherzer, but Clayton Kershaw's having a good year as well. And don't forget about Mike Soroka. Eleven and four. Yes, Mike Soroka on it. He's on Atlanta, I believe. Problem He's, is, he doesn't have a lot of strikeouts. That's isn't the only he? Problem. Is he a rookie? Double. Mike Soroka. He is, yes, he He's is a rookie. Yeah, yeah. You know how I feel about rookies. Okay, to explain. Seniority. Oh yeah, yeah. So Degrom wins. So Degrom wins. Or Scherzer. Or Scherzer. Or Scherzer. Yeah. Scherzer's ten and five, two five six ERA. We'll see. We will see. All right, so the the American League playoff race. Let's break this down quickly here, guys. Yankees and the Astros are on top. Clearly. They pretty much have the same record. Uh, the Astros right now are 95 and 53. They are two games behind the Yankees at 97 and 51. Minnesota, 89 and 57. And then the American League wild card, we have Oakland and Tampa Bay. Cleveland is half a game back right now. 25 games above 500. Half a game back in the wild card. I'm sorry. If Cleveland was in the National League, they'd be one of the top three. Does that speak more to Cleveland, or does that speak more to National League being poor? It speaks more to what Oakland's been doing lately, because Cleveland's on a four-game winning streak, and they're still half a game back. Telling you, Oakland's won eight out of their last ten. They almost won the first series at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees won. The Yankees almost lost their streak. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they almost against the A's. Don't sleep on the A's. No, the Yankees. That's (laughs) probably that's probably the team to be most fearful of. You know, obviously besides the the dogs in Houston in the American League. If the Yankees wind up having up to go up against Oakland, I mean, that could be a tough team, a scary team to go up against. You're forgetting somebody. 
I don't. They're in your own division. They have the second best rotation in the American League behind Houston. Morton, Glass now. I know Snell's had an off year, but I, Snell. I don't, I don't think Yarbaugh. I don't think they have a bat wise. Torinos. I don't think they have a bat wise to compete. Austin Meadows. I don't think it's a rookie. Eric Sogard. Wait, he's on Toronto now, right? Yeah, he got traded. Yeah. Come on, Kyle. I don't think they have enough. Really? What are, you just said it yourself, right? Seniority, right? You, you think a rookie is going to beat this team that's been around forever? I mean, the, the Bats have been around for a solid three years in total. I mean, they've had some solid players in play, but I, I don't. <laughs> personally, I don't think that. Personally, I don't think Tampa can compete with these big dogs in Houston. And Do the Yankees get past Houston? I think they do. I think they do because the one Ooh. difference, the one difference that I'm seeing with this Yankees team now is that Let's they're very low on the strikeouts and their batting averages have been very good. The only problem that I have with this Yankees team is now Sanchez is now on the aisle. He's on the aisle. I don't know. Even if he does come back, he's going to be hurting the team defensively. And he has a groin injury too. You can't win ten to nine every night against the Astros. It's I'm not, not saying you happen. can. What? Tell me that's not a concern. The con- that is. Um, let me explain. The concern is these games going to be tight. They're going to be four three games. That's what the game is going to be down to. So if you have a guy in Sanchez who you know what he's going to bring bat wise, but defensively he could blow a le- he could blow a game. Verlander, Cole, Miley, Granky. They have fantastic pitching. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You, you can't beat that. Batting-wise, you can. Batting-wise, you can. It'll be tough. I'm not saying they're. I'm not saying they're putting up ten runs against this Houston team, but you could put four or five Houston, runs, and that'll be enough. Uh, if Houston gets home field, though, if they get home serious. field, that's a different story. Yeah, the, yeah but right the, now, if the, the season was stand today, the Yankees would get home field. I think Houston have what the the best home record in Major League Baseball. They are at home, fifty-six and twenty. <laughs> That's, that's, that's pretty good. 39-33 on the road. So they do struggle on the road. Yeah, but the Yankees, Yankees, are, the Yankees, Yankees have are, lost how many series at home, though? I've, I believe they've only won, lost, lost one, one series. in April. Yeah, that's it. Yankees are also one. good. Let's get to the National League. Why don't we? That was good. That was great. That, yeah, it was great. <laughs> the Dodgers clearly will win the National League regular season. Record-wise, they've already clinched their division at 95 and 53 every other team in the nl west has been wait they're, they're saying the diamondbacks are eliminated no they can't be no they're not okay i see what it is there's an e next to their name because they've been eliminated from the divisional race they have not been eliminated from the wild card so with that being said, the Braves lead the East at 91 and 57. The Cardinals lead the Central at 82 and 64. They've been one of the hottest teams in baseball as of late. Uh, they have a three and a half game lead over the Chicago Cubs. And the two wild cards: the Nats 81 and 64, the Cubs 79 and 68. Um, those are your two wild cards right now, followed by. The Brewers, who are half a game back. The Mets and the Phillies, each two and a half games back. Brewers on a seven-game winning streak. Mets on a four-game winning streak. Philadelphia won last night. Do any of those three 
unseat the Nats or the Cubs? I know you, you don't think it'll be the Mets. No. You don't think it'll be the Brewers? No, I don't think the Brewers are going to make it. And Do you I think don't... the Mets have a shot? No. I think once you have to get to a point in the season where your destiny is in the hands of other teams, it's not in your own. Because right now, I mean, the only way the Mets get in is if Chicago starts losing, which is going to be kind of difficult. To be fair, though, their, their, their schedule isn't a cakewalk either. It isn't. No, it's not a cakewalk. But... That's why I'm kind of writing the Phillies off right now. Yeah. But Fine. another thing is that the Mets, a lot of their games laid down the line are divisional games, where even if you lose a game or two, that could personally set you set you back. Because you have to play the final three games of the season. You have to play Atlanta, I believe. Yep, that's that's at home though. And then the last four, before that, are the Marlins. And then I don't know what the rest of the schedule the, the, is. I think after tonight or after this weekend, they go to Cincinnati and Colorado. Top so, of the sixth inning, J. Rus Familia is in the game. By the way, FYI, well, that's great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. That is, that is not good. That is not good. Um, so now let's just get to our MLB player, player of the week, guys. Of the week. Uh, this is going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. As you know, every week we pick the MLB player that has stuck out the most to us. Are either of you ready to announce your MLB player of the week? Russo. I'm good to go. Yeah. Let's hear it. MLB Player of the Week. Glaber Torres. Three home runs. Seven RBIs. Ten plus hits. An, uh, a guy, second year, second year player. I'm gonna. It's hard not to pick a Yankee player for Player of the Week because oh they've all God. very star studded. But uh, it's just it's absolutely incredible. the the team The team as a whole. But Glaber Torres has really stuck out to me this past week. He's Competed against some pretty decent pitchers. The Boston that's throwing at him, whether it's Porcello. And then, I mean, that's just a guy who's been sticking out to me throughout the entire season in, in Glaber Torres. So I'm going to go with Glaber this week. Kyle Earhart. I'm going to go with Francisco Lindor. There you go. Shortstop for Cleveland Indians. Also on my fantasy team. Don't know how that's doing. But uh, <laughs> he has six RBIs this week. Pretty good. He's also had eight hits. You know, Cleveland, the team that's still fighting to get into the playoffs. So, go Francisco Lindor, keeping the fighting on. Well, mine is Nick Solak from the Texas Rangers. Now, you may ask yourself, who is Nick Solak? Right? Nick Solak is a 24-year-old out of Louisville. Made his debut on August 20th. He was actually drafted by your New York Yankees in the second round back in 2016. How do you like them apples? I love them. My team no, has 97 wins. Texas is at the bottom of the league right now. In his last seven games, he has had 11 hits, three home runs, 10 RBIs with a 440 batting average. That leads the MLB. Where's Texas right now? Look, Hunter Pence is on the IL. He's been their best all year. Forty-year-old uh, Nelson Cruz still hitting home runs, but yeah, you're right. On that note, we are going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will get to our team of the week and we will transition to the NFL. You're listening to Review and Preview here on the Wave, the sound of LIU. 
know what? You are a natural. It's Friday the 13th. Something bad was bound to happen. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Earhart, who is cracking up at Kyle Russo right now. It was bound to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. First hour was good. It is Friday the 13th. Murphy's Law is in full effect here at LIU Studios. (laughs) You can listen to us tonight on liuwave.org, or you can watch our Facebook stream on Facebook Live on my Facebook account. You can call in also at our call-in number. That is 516-299-2030. And the Yankees extend their lead 5-3. to Gio Urshela, a two-run single in the fifth inning. All right, guys. At this time, we are going to announce our team of the week. Kyle Earhart, who is your team of the week and why? I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans, a team that nobody picked to be Cleveland. I bet no one in here even picked in your little no. pool to be nope. Cleveland. You're right. So I'm going to go with Tennessee Titans. Derek Henry, you are beast, and thank God for sun nose stupid Browns up. <laughs> Kyle Russo, good pick. Ravens, easy. Ravens. I know they played a decimated Miami team, a, a joke of a team. People are saying they're a preseason team, not an NFL team. But what Lamar Jackson was able to do, basically after all the notions and everybody calling him out, calling him a running back, you saw how he took that into full effect. Five touchdowns thrown, unbelievable. Two touchdowns short of getting the record of Peyton Manning. Unbelievable. My team of the week is the New England Patriots. Wow. Look what they did to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football. That was tough to watch. It was embarrassing. They destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a final score of 33-3. to And Brady is the first quarterback ever with at least 300 passing yards in a game at the age of 42 years old or older. We needed that moment of silence there to recognize the greatness that he has produced as Kyle Russo is uh, hard at work there. Big news, as you folks know, we do broadcast this show here at Long Island University, and the LIU Sharks football team has announced a game in 2021. They will be playing against West Virginia University, the Mountaineers. This should be an interesting game. West Virginia will be uh, paying LIU to play this game against them. I don't think this is good for West Virginia. This hurts them in the rankings, but it's great for LIU to try to get out there. Get more nationally known. Um, I mean, that's because that'll probably be that'll be a televised game. Hey, if this game's in more, if if this game is in Morgantown. Yeah. Pack your bags. Mm-hmm. James is going to love every second of that trip. James Montefusco, we hope you are listening to our show right now or listen back to this moment at 9.03 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Alfonso DeFalco has just commented, nice jersey, Tom. Thank you. I am wearing an Odell Beckham Jr. jersey, hence my week one punishment for being the week one loser of our quick picks 
which we will be getting to later on in the show. So, the New York football giants Woo. lose to the Dallas Cowboys 35-17 to in week one. Eli Manning on the day. He didn't look bad. 30 for 44, 306 yards and a touchdown. He was only sacked once. The offensive line did look much better than last season with Zeitler, Remmers, Solder in year two, Hernandez in year two of his career, and then having Jalapio back. But Daniel Jones, it was so bad, Jones ended up playing late in this game in garbage time. He got some reps, three for four, 17 yards. Um, Before we get to Jones, what did you see from Eli in this game that you liked and what you didn't like? I like seeing that he was protected. He had more time to throw the ball. thing that I didn't like, I really don't like the way this offense is being run, to be honest with you. I don't like the consistent three-yard checkdowns. I don't like that. I, and I understand the, the receiving core is not that great. There's no doubt about it. Dallas has a decent defense, no doubt about it. When your offense is consistent, throw the ball three yards, try to get a first down, nothing happens. That's not what an offense is supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be getting first downs. Giants struggled tremendously to get first downs. And then we'll talk about it hopefully a little bit into this segment, but Pat Shermer and the use of Saquon Barkley, that's that's the epitome of garbage. There's no excuse for that whatsoever. And, and I'll throw a little fun fact in for you right now because I, uh, I, I'm too tempted to throw it in. Let's say it. Saquon Barkley, out of all the running backs that started in week one, was the fourth running back, bottom of the fourth, to get the least touches. Only three other running backs, starting running backs, got less touches than Saquon Barkley. That was Darius Geis for the Washington Redskins, who's coming off a torn ACL. The Miami Dolphins, we saw what happened to them. They're running back Kenyon Drake, epitome of garbage. And the Philadelphia Eagles and Jordan Howard or Miles Sanders, whatever one you give it to. But they don't need a running back because they got a potential MVP on the team who threw for three touchdowns and over 350 yards. Saquon Barkley was ranked above those guys and nobody else. That's how many touches he got. Now, I'm not that great at math, but I did it anyway. Saquon Barkley, on the second run of the game, on one touch, 59 yards for the run. Now, you take those 59 yards out of the 120, that gives you about 60 yards, 61, right? You take that one touch out of there, that makes 10 touches. 60 divided by 10 is 6 yards per carry. Now, Kyle, Tom... If I'm not mistaken, for a running back, if you get six yards per attempt, that's pretty good. Is that not? That is good. That is two yards above where you would like to be. And when Saquon Barkley also leads the league in rushing yards per attempt, I checked that this morning because I felt disgusted I was, how do you only give – best part of your offense nonetheless, right? How do you only give him 11 touches? How do you – that's not even three touches Here's per how. quarter. Here, That's not here, even three touches here is per how quarter. Your defense gives up 35 points, and you're coming from behind the whole game. So throw him the ball at least. They weren't even targeting him. You just complained about checkdowns. What's he going to do, run a streak at six feet? He can't run five, six, ten yards? He can't do that? I'm not saying he can't. Look, I, I as you know, I was not watching this game due to work, but 11 carries for 120 yards – I don't disagree, but 
that's my reasoning as to why they didn't give him as many carries as they did. Your defense looks like French toast, and you're you're not going to run the football. All right, let me ask you another question then. I'm sorry. Kyle, you go. You no, go. okay. No, you well, what I was going to say is Pat Shermer this year said he had a lot of ideas for what he wanted to do with Saquon, and one of them was put him as a wide receiver to run streak routes. And I watched the whole Giant game. and Not one time. I didn't see it once. And for Saquon, who, I mean, he's not a wide receiver, but he's got great hands for a running back, why not put him on the outside? Because I'm pretty sure a safety or a linebacker cannot stay with Saquon Barkley. Nobody can. And they're not going to put a corner on him. You you saw the amount of tackles he was breaking in those games when he did have the ball. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know why, uh, obviously 11 times Pat Shermer, I don't know what he's doing. Um, You have to question that. And And here's another play, too. It happened in the third quarter, and the, and the game wasn't out of hand yet. If they if the Giants would have scored, they would have been, I believe, a score or two behind. It would have been a score or two behind. It was in the middle of the third quarter. Pat Shermer, they're on Dallas's eight. It's a third and two. For some reason, Pat Shermer decides to give the ball to Elijah Penny for the first down. Not Saquon Barkley. Elijah Penny on a third and two. And then, and then it becomes a fourth and one. And the genius play is to have Eli Manning, the 38-year-old, scramble out of the pocket and try to throw a touchdown pass to no receiver whatsoever because the Giants don't have any receivers. On top of the fact that another negative with Eli, the red zone, his red zone percentages are horrible. He cannot convert in the red zone. He, He can't. And the only reason why the Giants got in the red zone to begin with in the beginning of the game, got that touchdown to Evan Ingram, because Saquon Barkley ran at 59 yards to the 10-yard line on Dallas. Let's talk about Evan Ingram. 11 catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. This is a guy that has been in and out of the lineup through the first two years of his career. He is an injury-prone player. There's no hiding that. But his potential, he has wide receiver-like numbers. He's more of a receiver than a blocker. I know he's improved in blocking, which is good because they just waived Scott Simonson uh, with his injury earlier this week. But the fact that he's putting up those numbers in week one, now look, I, I understand Tate's not healthy. All you got is Sterling Shepard and Cody Latimer. But Evan Ingram was the leading receiver on this game. That's great to see. That's great to see. Am I wrong? I, I mean, it's nice to see, but when you're playing meaningless minutes, I mean, because if you, if you go back and watch the game, Tom, a lot of these yards thrown by Eli and caught by receivers happened in the fourth quarter when the game was already – it was 35-10. to 10. The game was already over. Every single drive, Dak Prescott didn't even throw a pass. He, he gave to Tony Pollard. He didn't even – So, Zeke yep. only had 13 rushes for 53 yards. Tony Pollard also had 13 rushes, but for much less than 53 yards. Do you think Dallas underused Zeke? In this game as well? No. I think that only speaks to uh, back to Shermer again. A guy who was not even in the country five days up until the game, hadn't practiced one single game, <laughs> hadn't practiced one single game for one single game, didn't play in the preseason at all. He got more touches than Saquon. Tony Pollard, a rookie backup, got more touches than Saquon Barkley. That's inexcusable. There, there's no other word around, way around it. There's no excuse for it, and then he and then he responds to the media saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna try to use Saquon a little more, a little more." 
Saquon Barkley, especially to go into this week's game, because Cody Latimer is down and Saquon Barkley is con- – not Saquon Barkley. Shepard's uh, St- down. Sterling Shepard is in concussion protocol. Your number one receiver right now is Benny Fowler. Saquon Barkley should be getting 20 touches in this game and should be catching at least seven balls because they have nobody else right now. They have nobody. And this is your home opener. The offensive line you brought up was one of the few bright spots of this game. The Barkley only bright spot. was really good when he got the ball, and the offensive line only gave up one sack against a Dallas defense that features the Marcus Lawrence. We're not even going to talk about Tyrone Crawford and the mess that he is fighting guys at the bar. But Leighton Vanderish, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, Jeff Heath, they have a solid defensive core. Mm-hmm. And what the Giants were able to do offensively. Now, look, let's take the play calling out of perspective for a minute. Let's just look at where the Giants did move the ball up and down the field. Outside of the red zone, the Giants moved pretty convincingly from the bits and pieces that I saw. And that's credit to the offensive line. Now, you're looking at this. This is clearly on two people, Shermer and Eli. I'm going to throw a third one in there, too. I'm going to throw it at Dave Gettleman strictly on the defensive half because, to be honest with you, and I know a bunch of these guys are rookies, but a bunch of the guys that they did acquire in the offseason were defensive players. You're talking about Antoine Bethea. You're talking about Jabril Peppers. You're talking about Marcus, Marcus Golden. To be honest with you, I don't know if this defense is bad because it's a bunch of young guys or because it's just a lack of talent. I think it's that and the fact that Dallas has such a good offensive line. You played one of the best offenses. Dak had a career day. That's what Four I'm saying. Four touchdown passes. You made, tied his career high. You just potentially made Dak Prescott potentially one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. You gave him a 400-yard day and a 400-yard, four-touchdown day. It's better to get this out of the way now because this defense, they will improve. I don't I'm convinced. You just said they're young. Look at the front. I said are they young or do they they lack talent? Tomlinson, third-year guy. Do they lack talent? Dexter Lawrence. The defensive front isn't the problem, though. Because you look, Zeke got thirteen touches. The pass touches. rush lacks talent. The pass rush lacks talent. There is no pass rush. Yeah, no. <laughs> and there, and no there's absolutely. If you go back to the game, I'm not saying there wasn't a pass if rush. If you look it at the, lacks if talent. you go back That's to the what first, I'm saying. if you look to the first touchdown, the first touchdown of the game for Dallas was pass to Blake Jarwin. The direct middle of the field, there was nobody. It there. was wide open. I, was no, wide I, open. I saw that play. And then Michael Gallup, same thing. Amari Cooper, DeAndre Baker, DeAndre Baker, he, toast, got rookie, toasted, rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. Ryan Connolly, Tay Davis. Young guys. I just don't think that this team defense has a lot of talent. It's growing pains. It's growing pains. That's what it is. That's part of it for sure. It's not pains. It's it's gonna kill them. It's gonna kill them. That's pain. Uh, that's death. Okay, <laughs> we're agreeing, yet we're still arguing. And the offense, and I love it because the offense. <laughs> the problem is with this team is that the defense. Uh, you know that it's bad. Kyle Russo. But the offense has no saying it. You realistically, I know the final score was thirty-five seventeen, but Kyle. Can quote me on this. It was really thirty-five to ten. I don't count that I, Wayne Goldman pity play where they just let him run the ball and they Dallas let him go and get the touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't count that. Mm-hmm. They, they can't score points. They can't score. And even with that offensive line, they can't score. And even with Eli throwing over for three over three hundred yards, they still can't score. And you could say, well, Dallas is a good defense, but how did? How did Eli throw let's, 300 yards? Let, let's get back to your point on Dave Gettleman for one second. Now I, now I understand 
He didn't want to spend money on Devon Kennard. Devon Kennard right now leads the NFL in sacks. He had three sacks last week. He gave up Damon Harrison for a fifth-round pick. Damon Harrison, huh? He oh gave God. up Eli Apple, and granted, Eli Apple isn't so good, but he's Eli pretty much— Eli Apple was a good move, though. He's pretty, much, he's pretty much better than any corner that we got right now besides Janoris Jenkins. Because Antonio Hamilton, I mean, Kyle, you watched that game. That was, that was bad. That was bad. Kyle, these kids are like a year or two older than you. That's part of the process. But it's when not going to be good at first. But you're a pro and you're a first-round pick. In fact, DeAndre Baker, you're a guy that we traded up for in the first round to trade back into the first round to get you. I expect you to be able to do something. Let's look at these receivers' numbers. Michael Gallup, seven catches, 158 yards. Amari Cooper, six catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Randall Cobb, four catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Jason Witten, who comes out of retirement, three catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Blake Jarwin, who scored three touchdowns against us in Week 17 last year, had a touchdown as well. Giants still can't t- cover the tight end. I was nope. just going to say. It's, it's the same thing every year. Nope. Dallas, they also have Xavier Woods, who's pretty good, too. I kind of like him for them. Um, deep threat. W- yeah. I'm just I'm not happy that Tyrone Crawford was able to play in this game. He should have not been able to play. But The offensive line was great. It was really great. There's no doubt about it. But when you have an offensive line that's really good – and you have an offensive coordinator who has said on multiple occasions that he wants to upgrade the creativity in this playbook, and you see nothing mm-hmm. creative whatsoever, and you don't use your best player, if not the best running back in all of football, how could you possibly expect to compete if not win? We got the point. Bad coaching game by the Giants, poor management, poor use of Saquon Barkley, and this must improve come week two because you're playing – the Buffalo Bills, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And quite frankly, they have a second-year quarterback in Josh Allen. That could also burn this defense in Week 2. Now that'll be bad. And to mention, this won't even feel like much of a road game for Buffalo because they played there last week against the Jets. If Josh Allen throws for over 250 yards, 300 yards, and he starts throwing touchdowns, that's when you know this. It's bad. It's bad. We'll preview Buffalo in just a second. Last week, you picked Dallas to win 35-14. to 14. So Dallas close. won 35-17. So close. Bonds picked Dallas to win 28-10. to 10. Week 2 against Buffalo, we know Sterling Shepard has been ruled out with a concussion. <laughs> What's the deal with Cody Latimer? Is he questionable? He's got a, I believe he has a calf or a quad right. injury. That won't make a difference. Anyway, so let's preview this game against Buffalo. Um, obviously, you picked Buffalo. I picked the Giants. Do you, do you have a final score? And uh, your uh, reasoning for picking Buffalo? My reasoning is this defense is horrible. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. No, the defense is horrible. And I know we talk about poor coaching plays, but the Giants were having the same problem last year. They don't don't use Saquon enough. The same problems last year. So I'm going to pick Buffalo. I'm going to say 20. It was a little different last year. I'm going to pick 20. I'm going to say 27 to 14. Buffalo. Kyle, would you like to chime in here? I'll go last because you're going to say the Giants. And okay. I'll, I want to be uh, – who, who do I choose? So, I obviously picked the Giants. I think – look, 
they can't be any worse than they were last week in their home home opener uh look Buffalo, besides that fourth quarter comeback when C.J. Mosley came out of the game in the second half, they really didn't look good. And you saw it. The Jets had complete control of this game. This was the largest comeback by the Bills since 2011. And the Giants are very familiar with Sean McDermott. I think they're going to use Barkley more. They've learned from that, we hope. And realistically, they need to run the football and take the clock off use Pat Shermer's protocol, two tight end, 12 personnel set, and try to keep Buffalo off the field. And I think that's how you win this game. Tire out their defense so they can't substitute guys in and out and leave your defense off the field as long as possible. I think a final score of 16-13 to with the Giants coming out on top. And that's if all the cards go right, but make it interesting on the show I'll, I will go with my team Kyle as much as Russo and Tommy bring up good points uh, Tom with the Saquon needs to get more touches I agree but I feel like this Bills defense is the second best defense in the league they know Saquon's going to get the ball they're going to they're going to put 12 to 15 20 people in the box because Saquon's the only good receiver so I'm going to go Bills 24-10. I don't think the Giants even show up and play. Yikes. Uh, I think Josh Allen's a very underrated quarterback uh, with his legs, with his he can throw. I think the and the Bills have fast wide receivers, and I think Singletary's going to have a big day. John Brown had a day last yeah. week. Yeah, he did. He had a day. He's a good wide receiver, too. Mm-hmm. He's fast. He's quick. He can go deep. Buffalo has not beaten the Giants in a regular season game since 2003. They beat the Giants 24-7 at Giants Stadium back on November 30th of that year. That was 16 years ago. The Giants have won the last three matchups. And all-time, the Giants lead the regular season series 7-6. to So, we will see. On that note, we will step aside for a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about the New York Jets and their struggles. You're listening to Ravian Preview here on liuwave.org. Welcome back to Ravian Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scabetta. Join alongside Kyle Earhart, Kyle Russo. Joining us tonight on liuwave.org. An hour and a half in, let's get to the New York Jets. So, we just talked about how bad the Giants were week one. The Jets, in what was a promising game to begin with against the Buffalo Bills. I know me and Kyle Earhart had our eyes closely attached to this one. The Jets, who were previewed to be a legitimate team to contend for the playoffs this season, struggled after leading 16-3. Buffalo comes back and wins by 1.17-16. Kyle, I'm going to open this to you. What was the major key reason why the Jets lost this game? I mean, you mentioned before. I mean, the definitely key reason would be C.J. Mosley going out in the midway through the third quarter. Uh, he made that really sick play. Tom, I'm sure you saw it where he was basically covering, uh, was it a running back or a wide receiver? And, and he, he like, it with yeah, his yeah, he, he turned around and just blocked it and saved a touchdown and scored, uh, they kick a field goal. And then after that play, he didn't come back in the game. He heard, I guess he hurt his groin on that play. You could tell he was definitely hurt once he uh, started walking back to the sideline. 
And I think that changed everything for the Jets. I don't know why. I don't know how. But that just changed every single thing that happened in the later uh, in the fourth quarter. And then Quinn and Williams leave too with an ankle. Yes, yes. So that was that was big as well. You know, you lose a little depth. Uh, Sam Darnold in this game, twenty-eight of forty-one, one hundred seventy-five and a touchdown. I guess he was okay. He could have been better though. Yeah, obviously he could be better. I mean, he did miss a bunch of throws, uh, short. But that's you know it happened. You know, you're not going to hit every throw. Uh, I thought Le'Veon Bell was very good in this game. First game back in about a year and a half, two years. I thought he was fantastic. Considering the Jets' offensive line got bullied all day. All day they got bullied. That's a bad line. <laughs> and, and that was their first game together, too. So, yeah, obviously, you need time to gel. But it, the, the offensive line did not look good in game one. Yeah, I think Brian Winters has been starting for a little too long now. He's not. He's not a good NFL starting guard. They did get Ryan Khalil out of retirement, yeah. which... I mean, I, I, I guess it's I okay. Guess. I mean, he was a what, Pro Bowl a couple of years ago. I mean, it is what it is. I think the offensive line needs to gel, but by the time they gel, the Jets could be 0-5, 0-6 at that point, and what's the point? It... Really, the highlight of this game, Le'Veon Bell, 17 rushes, 60 yards. He did have a touchdown through the air on one of his six catches. Jamison Crowder, the newcomer as well. 14 catches, 99 yards, and I think this is how the Jets want to deploy him and use him. But the biggest disappointments for me are Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunwa. Combined four catches for 19 yards. And and, and to make it worse, Anunwa got hurt in the game and came back in and ended up being a non-factor anyway. Like, if you're hurt... <laughs> And you know you're not going to make a tribute? Like, to don't m- even risk it. To make it worse, he's out for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, and he had to rest it with another neck injury. Yeah. This is his second neck injury. He's, yeah. he's, I, I, he's probably done after this. Like, coming back, like, look at Bilal and Powell. you just paid him. Yeah. You just paid him. And the thing is, going into the year, Quincy Nunwa, it's a matchup problem. The guy is tall. The guy is quick. And a cornerback can't really stay with him, and he's he's tall. So, I mean, it's always good to have that. He was a matchup problem. He was great, a great wide receiver three. Then you have Robbie Anderson on the other side with a deep threat. And then you have Jamison Crowder, the guy that doesn't drop anything. The guy is an amazing slot receiver, obviously shown. <laughs> uh, he had 14 catches. I mean. Well, that's, that's Sam's probably security blanket. Um, actually, no. The thing is, though, I think Sam's security blanket is Chris Herndon, but he's suspended. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, he's he's the difference maker now in this team. I'm going to ask you a question, Kyle. Is is this season a wash already? And I know it's early, and I'm not saying because of player performance. It goes more towards injury on top of rough schedule. Because, I mean, you look at these next five games. I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I don't see a win in any of them. And that's not me knocking the team. That's how do you win? How do you go into a game with the mindset, we're going to win this game without you st- – starting quarterback you're missing your best defensive player cj mosley he's not gonna play and Le'Veon bell i'm pretty sure he's gonna play but i think he's questionable still how, how do you even go into these next five weeks and this season is potentially a wash right now and you're one game in i think yeah i mean you gotta take a week like game week, week, week at a time yeah. yeah i think this week for a week two game for both teams cleveland and the jets it's a muscle game yeah I have one bright spot for the Jets. There was a trade that happened this week, and let me analyze it. New England, who cut Demarius Thomas and then re-signed him, 
traded Demarius Thomas to the Jets after, of course, signing Antonio Brown, who we'll get to later on in the show. They traded DT to the Jets for a 2021 sixth-round draft pick, and the Jets' backup quarterback, Trevor Simeon, played with Demarius Thomas in Denver. So you never know. The chemistry could still be there. This might have an effect. I mean, you're playing the Browns, so. You want to hear a fun fact? Yes. This is the first time the Jets and Patriots did a trade since 2000 when the Jets traded Bill Belichick to the Patriots. Wasn't that the year you were born? Yeah. 2000. It's a long time. Yeah. I was probably football season in September. Actually, no, I might not have even been born yet because of the offseason, probably when it happened. I may not have been born, but, yep, that was the last time they made a trade. And speaking of suspensions, Nate Shepard also suspended six games for violating league's performance-enhancing drug policy. He cannot return until October 28th. So, Kyle win is questionable with without Shepard. That's that's the third guy now right. on a PED thing. <laughs> it was Herndon, Copeland, mm-hmm. now Shepard. What is up with this team? Avery Williamson hurt. Yeah. Avery Williamson done for the year at 20 ACL. He's, I mean, this is... I think Avery Williamson's a huge loss. I mean, Avery Williamson, like, led the team in tackles last year. He was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Missing him at the beginning of the year was definitely going to hurt. Now Mosley might not play. Uh, I mean, do I think this Jets team will win this weekend? I honestly have no idea. And to top it off, Darnold has mono. Yeah, that's that's probably the worst part. He's done for the year, potentially. Oh, he's done for the year. No, he's done. If I was him, I'd tell the team personally, even if I – rid of the disease i'd say i don't want to play that is not a multiple week issue look i played against a guy in high school who had mono he was pitching with mono he walked everybody they took him out in the third inning it really it affects you you can't move no not just not just that but what happens i mean kyle was talking about when you have mono obviously i'm a little familiar with it i just had it about eight months ago your spleen expands and so the doctors tell you for six to eight weeks you can't do any physical activity because what happens is if you do physical activity or you get hit, your spleen could explode on you and you could die. You're in a physical contact sport. I'm not taking that risk. Uh, I don't care. I'm the starter. I'm not taking that risk. I don't care how much you love the game. I'm not literally risking my life for a team that potentially, like Kyle said, by week 11 when he comes back, if he does come back, mm-hmm. you know, the season could be well over. Yeah. At least the MRI for Bell came out negative. But, yeah, Darnold could be done for the year, and that's that's a shame. Yeah, because it wasn't even an injury. No, it's, it's, it's a it's sickness. A, it's literally a kissing disease. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, you know, what do you say about the Yankees? It's, it's the next man up. Uh, Trevor Simeon isn't a terrible backup. The guy was a starting quarterback last year. I know he's on Denver, and he didn't have the best of stats. But the guy's capable. He worked with Adam Gaze. He seems like in the preseason, he had a good preseason too. So The promising part, as we just talked about, is that he does have chemistry with the new wide receiver on the team, Demarius Thomas, so that should be nice, that little adjustment. And then having Le'Veon Bell as a running back should help you tremendously. And plus not playing like a top five, top seven defense this week. Maybe the offensive line could definitely play a little better. I know the front, the front four, the front seven for Cleveland's really good, Miles Garrett and all them, but... I think the I think the Jets do have a shot this week on Monday night national stage to put up a good fight. I think. And let's talk about this matchup because Odell Beckham Jr. makes his return to MetLife Stadium to play against the New York Jets, not the Giants. But Greg Williams also 
the new defensive coordinator for the Jets going up against his former team, that he was the interim head coach of last season. Quite frankly, I still think he should be the head coach there, but that wasn't my decision. Greg Williams, you know, last year, he was saying, I think it was a preseason game where the Browns play the Giants. He two wanted players ago. to target Odell. Two years ago. Uh, two years ago, yes. I remember that. And they wanted them to target him. And will he be doing the same this weekend? I believe, I don't know about you guys, I believe that comment 100%. And you know I'm a fan of Odell, and that's not why I'm agreeing. But the fact that other Cleveland players who are still on that team went out of their way to say that to him and inform him about that because he knows that going across that middle, right, it might be real dangerous for him this weekend, so. especially with Jamal Adams there at safety. To be fair, going across the middle against like any football team. No, but when you when you already have a coach that has has proven or that has stated to his own players to make dirty plays, I mean, it's it's disgraceful. Let's pick this game, Kyle. You're first. Uh, I oh. did have the Jets losing this week, and I'm not going to change it. I think the Jets won't cover, so I think it'll be 27. 27-20, though they won't cover. I think it's spread six and a half. Russo. I'm going to go 30-10, Cleveland. They just have no corners. They just have no corners. Browns, 23-14. Yeah. Um, and look, that's not me saying the Browns are good. It's just me saying the Jets have been that team so far this season that has gotten royally screwed by injuries, suspensions, sickness. Um, Yeah. All right, so we're going to keep it right here. Let's talk about what happened this week in the NFL. Let's get some NFL news. Saturday around noon, the Oakland Raiders released Antonio Brown following his beef with Mike Mayock. He was suspended and then dropped. Uh, Why did the Raiders... Why do you think the Raiders released Antonio Brown, Kyle? Why do I think they released him? Yeah. Well, obviously, everything that was going on, but to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, this this seems like this was all formally laid out and this was planned. I mean, because if you go back early 2018, I mean, Antonio Brown, the first team on his list that he wanted to get traded to was Patriots. Bill Belichick wanted to trade a first-round pick for Antonio Brown at the time. Of course, Pittsburgh is not going to do that. Why are they going to give Tom Brady another Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. So they trade him to his second team in Oakland. He got his money for the time being. He got released because he still wanted to win wanted to win a ring. Now, if you look at the contract, not only is he going to win a ring probably, but he's making $15 million this year with a $10 million signing bonus. And then $20 million next year, which is a team option that's fully guaranteed. So either way, he's still getting his $30 million. Either way, that he lost out with Oakland, he's making $30 million. So not only is he going to win a ring, but he got the money he was looking for anyway. You can't say whatever you want about the man crazy, stunt, no doubt about it. Disgusting, disgraceful, horrendous, no doubt about it, but genius. 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 Yeah, we, we will not get into the politics of the situation because it's a shame because you see it happen more often today nowadays than not. Antonio Brown, I think, you know, he's... No, it was disgusting. He's a fool. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, but. Kyle Earhart, now the Raiders come out and beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Is Oakland better without Brown? No. No. <laughs> I mean, anytime you lose 
one of the top five wide receivers in football. There's no way your team is just better without him. I think if they had they had kept Antonio Brown, I thought they could have made a little not saying win the division, not even close or make a wild card, but I think they could have been a fight for a wild card. I think Derek Carr has a lot to prove this year. I think Jacobs is a very good running back. And yeah. Uh that's my that's my opinion of that. I have a fun take for you on this. So you guys know how I live up in Trumbull now? One of my housemates is from California. He's a Raiders fan. He loved it. He thinks the Raiders are so much better without A.B. And I think part part of that had to do was because they were home and they were playing the Broncos, the worst team in their division. But he thinks the Raiders can go 8-8, eight and eight, possibly 9-7. and seven. I thought he was crazy for saying that. I don't think the Raiders are good at all. They have a nice young rookie running back in Josh Jacobs. They acquired Tyrell Williams from the Chargers, which is great. They drafted Clemson hero, former walk-on Hunter Renfro. But this team still isn't that good. I know they're, by the way, the Raiders also have a couple of our former defensive linemen, Jonathan Hankins, Josh Morrow. You saw Josh Morrow in the game, right? He was Josh fantastic. Morrow was a beast. He's fantastic. Straight out of London. Oh. Seems everybody we let go is having good games. I told, <laughs> remember I was telling you last offseason, they should re-sign Josh Morrow. Yeah. Third best, highest graded PFF against the run in the NFC. And now he's gone. And now the Giants have zero edge rush whatsoever. And also played with Betcher, which that didn't make sense to get rid of him either. But um, so Antonio Brown is now a New England Patriot. He'll probably win a Super Bowl. Great. Um, <laughs> how, how is he used in this offense with Brady? How, how, how does Brady mix him in? He's you, gonna, you, saw, you saw the social media post of them together in the picture? He was working out in Tom yeah. Brady's gym at his house last night. Yeah, no, he. I, I think he moved in with Tom Brady, I think actually. he did. I, I think, think he Tom actually Br- did take him up on that offer. Yeah, which, I mean, maybe Brady can keep him down or something like that, make him shut up. I think this is going to be one of the best offenses since that 07 Patriots team. The Brady Moss? We ain't, we ain't, we've... For sure, ain't beating him this year. That ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, you guys do play him. I mean, that ain't you could happening. beat him again. <laughs> Not with this defense. Not with this defense. But no, I, I really see that type of Ross Brady, Brown Brady type of connection, uh, especially because they don't have a tight end. And Josh Gordon, although he's at the moment good, you don't know what's going to be like down the line. And Edelman is really the only other guy. I mean, you got Sony Michelle, James White. James White, by the way, won't be playing this Sunday. Because he is having a, his wife is having a child, so it is expected that he's going to be missing the game. He's on your fantasy team, isn't he? You're welcome. I let just let you know that you're welcome. I don't Thank know. You. That's not official <laughs> that he will be missing the game for sure, but his wife is expected to give birth this Sunday. Two of my three leagues got to be changed. I'll, I'll wait till after the show. Yeah, but I, I really do see that type of connection because. Granted, everything that's going on with Antonio Brown, he's still top three receiver in the National Football League. Look at New England's offense skill players. Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, who got a lot of touches on Sunday night. A.B., Gordon, Edelman, Gunnar Olszewski, Devlin, Ben Watson, who suspended for a few games, Matt Lacoste, former Giant, Gronkowski, the eye symbol, on his tweet. He's not coming back. Ooh. I don't think he's coming oh. back. 
No, it, for me, he looks too skinny. He now. tweeted that out. He's more likely than Luck, though. Luck will never see the field again. He tweeted that out, and then literally the next day, I don't know if you guys saw it. He did an interview on CNN, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I probably had about twenty concussions throughout my career." <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know if you could do that. Man. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's. That ain't dumb. worth it. I think he's a smart guy. He's got three rings. He's got money. It's you don't need to do that. Wednesday, Brown was also accused of three sexual assault incidents in 2017 and 2018 against the woman who attended college with him. Was this also his trainer in college? Yes, it was his trainer. Oh, my. No, not in college, but I think he was his trainer throughout his career with Pittsburgh, I believe. I don't think yeah, this was Yeah, but she college. also went to college with him. Yeah, he at did. Western yeah, Michigan. Yeah, she did go to yeah. Yeah. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Yeah. Close. That's, that's good. And Minka Fitzpatrick now wants out of Miami. This potential is the, target for the Steelers or the Giants. That's more like it. Giants. If, <laughs> if, if the Giants, Jersey kid, Jersey kid, if the Giants do not St. Peter's all, prep. The Dolphins are so desperate. They even, I don't even know how you say this. We want a first round pick, but we'll settle for a second. What kind of friend, who says that? We'll settle for a second. And if you're going to settle for a second, Dave Gettleman, trade the second away. Because whatever you're going to draft with our second round pick, will be nowhere near the talent that Minka Fitzpatrick has as that value. Because right now the Giants, as far as I'm concerned, has zero safeties. They have zero. This man has a potential Landon Collins effect on I, this defense. It would be fantastic. To team him up with Jabril Peppers, two Jersey kids as your two safeties? To get a safety on this defense? <laughs> Look, I mean, And it makes sense. Cause ge- Geographically-wise, the Giants have been going with more local guys. That's the old-school approach. But at the end of the day... We all know matter. Gettleman was not – he's not pulling the plug on this. He's, it's not happening. All right. nope. It's not happening. Jets were rumored to be involved, though. Just on the safety, they have Marcus May and Jamal Adams. Moving the corner they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, so 15 minutes left on the show. Let's talk about the week one picks. I am the loser of week one. My punishment, wear the Odell Beckham Jr. jersey. As you know, I'm not very fond of Odell, but... Kyle, I don't know. That's a privilege. In Odell my, who? That's a privilege. You know, Odell who has Greg Williams oh, man, said today. Shame on Look, Greg Williams. You chose it because you were the week one winner. No, it was actually James Afonso who brought that up. I just went along because I couldn't think of anything. I really... I really. I got off good. You got off good. I got off pretty good. You got off good. You got a privilege, not a punishment. Look, and I was 8-8. Eight and eight. I didn't even finish below 500. We got some good pickings. So, the current total... Kyle Russo, you win eleven and five. You have eleven points. Yeah. Fonz and James each have ten points. They went nine and seven. Nobody got their upset correct. Three of us got our lock correct. You actually got your lock wrong. Yeah, you Cleveland just decided lock. to lose by thirty. It happens. It happens. FYI. Yeah. Never take the Browns as your lock again. I think somebody took them. Did somebody take them this week against the Jets? I think somebody might have taken them this week against the Jets. I know I didn't. No. No? No. Or I wouldn't. Fonz took the Panthers. I think we all I think we all took the Patriots this week, to be um, honest with you. You went eleven and five. Week one injuries, let's highlight Tyreek Hill was ho- hospitalized with a shoulder injury. Tough. He's gonna miss close to half the season. Nick Foles, broken collarbone, placed on IR, most likely done for the year. Yep. Unless Jacksonville somehow, some way sneaks in. To the he, was, he was talking about a week eleven return potentially. Possibly. Yeah, week wow. eleven. Yeah. I don't think so, but newly hired NFL head coaches combined zero wins on Sunday. That's not including Matt LaFleur and Vic Fangio, who won on Thursday night and Monday night. 
No, Vic Fangio lost. Sorry. Not just LaFleur. No, he did. Oh, they lost to Oakland. That's yeah, right. They lost to Oakland. You're right. Matt LaFleur was the only one that won. Uh, Gase lost. Taylor lost. Brian Flores, who I don't know why he's head coaching, lost. Bruce Arians lost. Freddie Kitchens. Cliff Kingsbury, another one. Why is he coaching? Cliff lost. Kingsbury tied. Did tied. not lose. He tied. And the well, Cin- zero wins. I should clarify that. The Cincinnati coach lost as well. I don't know if he said I don't know. A tie is a loss for me. It might well. It's a loss on our. It's probably it's probably XL. worse than a loss. Yeah, it probably is worse than a loss. Tough to see a tie week one because now you got to see that for the rest of the year. At that least could kill you. Tie, you go, you go seven, eight, like and one. Eight. I mean, look at look at perfect example last week, right? Up uh, last week, last year, week one, Steelers versus Browns. They tie that game. Steelers didn't make the playoffs because of that tie. Otherwise, if they didn't have that tie, would have made it. Who is your NFL Player of the Week? If you had to choose one guy, who who would it be? I mean, I know. it's it's easily Lamar Jackson. It's easy. I mean, that's pretty much – There's uh, you had some other decent players have their games, but Lamar Jackson, five – what is it, 500 yards, five touchdowns? Yes. Again, terrible, yeah. terrible defense, terrible team, terribly coached, but 500 yards and five touchdowns? That's crazy. What about you, Kyle? I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. The wide receiver that had four catches for what 160 something yards, two touchdowns. Fans would be proud. We go full Ravens right now. If you call Mark Andrews the tight end, I think he had two tight ends. Marquise Brown. Hey, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. Tell you, um, you know what? For me, Pat, Pat Mahomes. Yeah, Pat was. I don't. I don't know if you saw it because you said you were working, but you saw that he went out for a little bit with a. Ankles sprain. They yeah. said it was. That, he, that would have been scary. He came back. Yeah, which is good. Uh, all right, guys. So my biggest take from week one is that New England is clearly the favorite to get back to the Super Bowl and do what they did last year. That's my take from week one. And a lot of people have doubted New England every year. Last year, people thought they were a team on the potential decline. Nope, not anymore. <laughs> Brady with the extension. Brady will play at least till he's 45. And now you have all these weapons. Ageless team, well-coached. They'll find a way to turn A.B. back into the superstar he once was. But, yeah, that's my biggest take from week one. Crazy. My biggest take would be, you know, is Lamar Jackson for real or is this just a smoke show? Is he for real? My biggest take would be no lead is safe in the NFL. With the Lions, <laughs> with the Jets, no lead is safe. So, we head into week two and our quick picks for the week. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Carolina Panthers at home 20-14 to last night. This was a bad game for both quarterbacks. It just wasn't good. I know Winston was average. I mean, this was a great game for Winston considering this was kind of a proving game because if, if he went 0-2, it would have been all downhill from there. He also has a great coach, though, in Bruce Arians. Yeah. But Cam Newton, I don't, I don't know. People are saying injury, but, I mean, he just he can't hit his targets. No. He's just not an accurate thrower. No, he never has been. And McCaffrey had a bad game, too, because of it. And I also think he was underused in this game. You want to talk about underused? I don't think McCaffrey really – was able to do much. 16 rushes, 37 yards, and just two catches? It was underused from a 
perspective of what they used, the amount of times they used him against the Rams. He had the ball like sure. 29 times in his hands yeah, in the Rams game. Which I'm not complaining. I'm playing him in Yahoo this week, and he put up eight points. I ain't complaining. Cam Newton has lost eight straight starts dating back to week 10. Eight straight starts. Remember, Carolina started 6-2 and two last year. They finished 7-9. and nine. Yeah. And Jameis Winston won his first game on the road since 2016. Correct? Yeah. It was great to see Greg Olson, though, in this game. Six catches, 110 yards. The 34-year-old tight end is, still has it. He, he can still, still has move. game left in him. He had a bunch of 20-yard catches, 30-yard catches down the stretch of the yeah. game. Great but, to see. As long as you stay healthy, yeah. yeah. And also, let's talk about Tampa Bay, a very young team. I know they have Mike Evans, have O.J. Howard, a great top-five potential tight end. Nope, I hate him. Not with, really? Not with this. Not well, with James maybe not Winston. with Winston, but talent-wise, uh, raw talent-wise, talent. yeah. He got me zero points. <laughs> I hate him right now. He's in the doghouse. <laughs> he's in the doghouse right. right now. But Chris, <laughs> but Chris Godwin, though, Chris Godwin, yes. he's he's good. He's something else. Eight yeah. catches, 121 yards on a score. Yeah. Same thing with Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber had yeah. a touchdown last night. 82 yards too. He's probably beating out Ronald Jones for that starting running back position. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then other week one games that were of note, uh, the Eagles survived the Redskins 32-27. to Deshaun Jackson now has 31 career touchdowns of 50-plus yards. That is the second most in NFL history. Uh, Behind, I believe, Terrell. I want to say Terrell Owens. It might, it Moss. might be T.O. or Ma- it's It's either one. But, I mean, that's, that's the one thing this Eagles offense has been missing is a deep threat like that, and that's – that's important. Vikings take care of the Falcons at home, 28-12. to 12. I got that one right. The Ravens destroy the Dolphins 59-10. to 10. That is tied for the most points in team history in a game. Sammy Watkin, a career high, three receiving touchdowns against the Jaguars as the Chiefs beat them 40-26. to 26. The Titans roll over the Browns 43-13. to 13. The Browns have not won a week one game since 2004. Rams survived the Panthers 30-27. to Malcolm Brown, career-high, two rushing touchdowns out of nowhere. Andy Dalton, a career-high 418 passing yards in a one-point loss to Seattle 21-20. to Chargers beat the Colts in OT. Austin Eckler, a game-winning seven-yard run. 49ers used defense to beat the Bucks on the road. Three interceptions in a 31-17 to win. By the way, that defense had two total interceptions last year. Lions and the Cardinals tie. It's TJ Hawkinson, kid, man. 130 yards in his NFL debut. Definitely worth that eighth overall. Definitely worth that eighth you overall. You like him? Oh, he's good. He's good. He's very fast. He's got great hands for a tight end. Will Lutz slices through his career-long 58-yard field goal to beat the Texans 30-28, to but I've got to say, Deshaun Watson looked good. He's... He scored quick. The problem was they scored too quick. I was working that game, too, and, man, He's something. That Camara kid is good too. Oh, Camara's filthy. He's yeah. fantastic. He's filthy. There's a reason why he goes what n- number one, number two, number three in every fantasy draft. Every fantasy draft. Yeah. And then Raiders beat the Broncos 24-16. All right, guys. So, um, quick here. Everyone picked the Panthers last night. Everyone lost. Everyone has the Cowboys over the Redskins. Same. Kyle, you have the Cowboys. Cowboys. Colts and Titans. Me and James have the Titans. Fonz and Russo have the Colts. Who do you have? I'll take the Colts. 
Colts. Yeah, I have to go to the Colts. Seahawks at the Steelers. Me and James have the Steelers. Kyle and Fonz have the Seahawks. Who do you have, Kyle? <sighs> Pittsburgh at home. I hate, I hate going with Russo, but I have to pick Seattle. You can't call Pittsburgh. You're sitting yeah, there. I know. You're sitting just, there yeah, right I know. Now. I'm working this game Sunday. West Coast, East Coast. Those 1 o'clock games do not favor West Coast teams. I'll take Russell Wilson. Yes, him. Giants and Bills. Me and James, optimistic Giant fans. We have the Giants. We know Earhart. You have the Bills along with Russo and Fonz. <laughs> New England over Miami, clean sweep. Although New England historically, the last five to ten years, they've struggled at Miami. Wait, wait I'm going with. My, no, I'm going with. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Come on. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Texans, clean sweep at home over yeah. the Jaguars. Texans. Yeah. They'll even up at one and one. Packers host the Vikings at Lambeau. We have a clean sweep there. Do they go 2-0? I'm going to go with Minnesota, actually, like in this thing. one. I like I'm going to change it. I think Minnesota will good Nobody week one. Nobody beats Aaron Rodgers at home. Oh, give Kirk me a break. Cousins is awful against teams above 500. I know the Packers are only 1-0, but I think Kirk Cousins is the issue. I'm going to go Minnesota. Oh, yeah, 100%. Minnesota, baby. Chargers on the road against the Lions. We all have the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely Chargers. Ravens at home against the Cardinals. We all have the Ravens. Battle of the Birds. Now you could go with Kyle and Murray. Well, I think the Ravens will win, but I think the Cardinals will cover 14. Got to risk it to get the biscuit. Yes, I do. Right. I have to. <laughs> Raiders host the Chiefs. We all have the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yep. This is going to be a good one. Rematch of last year's NFC Championship game, Saints at the Rams. We all have the Ra- uh, we, sorry, we all have the Saints, except for James. I'm going to go with James. I'm going to go with the Rams. Change it up. Interesting work, James. We had a plan on another referee call like last year. Bears at the Broncos. We all have the Bears. Yeah, okay. Good. I have the Bears also. Eagles at the Falcons in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I have the Falcons. Everyone else has the Eagles. I have the Eagles as well. Really? Yeah, I, I can't go with that. Browns at the Jets. We all have the Browns. Yep. And I said the Browns. My lock is New England. So is Kyle Russo's. So is James's. Fawn said the Panthers. He fell victim to that. <laughs> when you lose 59 to 10, it's just hard not to pick that team as your lock. <sighs> Locks are worth two points. Upsets are worth three. I have the 49ers at the Bengals upsetting the Bengals. Kyle, Russo, and Fonz both have the Colts at Tennessee winning that game. James has the Steelers as his upset at home against the Seahawks. Kyle, what is your upset? I guess it would be Minnesota, right? Because you all pick Green Bay. So I guess Minnesota would be my upset. That's a good upset. And then my lock would probably be Kansas City because I'm not sure the Patriots. I'm not like you guys. I want the guaranteed lock points. Kansas City is a lock, too. Listen, Derek Carr looked good last week. It looked good. All right, so we're also quickly going to have our playoff predictions and Super Bowl picks. Fonz picked them in order. For the AFC, New England and Baltimore getting the first-round buys. Chiefs is the three. Colts is the four. And the wild cards, the Jaguars, wow, and the Chargers. In the NFC, in order, the Eagles and the Saints getting buys, followed by the Bears, Rams, Seahawks, and Packers. I agree. Uh, AFC Championship, he has the Pats beating the Chiefs and the Eagles beating the Saints. In quotes, in Super Bowl 54, I have doubted the Patriots every year, and I am not doing it again. Tom Brady wins ring number seven. Good job, Fonz. Let's get to James. James, in the NFC, in order, has Rams, Saints, 
Packers, Cowboys, Wild Cards, Seahawks, and Vikings. I like that as well. AFC, he has in order New England and Baltimore getting the buys. Chiefs, Texans, Browns, Titans. The big game pick for him, Saints, Drew Brees against Brady. Saints win 27-20. to The redemption. That is a Super Bowl right there. The redemption for Drew Brees right. and the Saints. So, redemption round three. Because that go a couple over with <laughs> this true. on our live show, but we got to get it done. Kyle Russo, you are first. Just so you know, you don't have to name the seeds in order. Yeah, because that was they had. Terrible. They're not here, so obviously they had time to do that. All right. Uh, you want to write? Are you writing them down? I am writing it down. I, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, go ahead. All right. AFC: New England, <laughs> Chiefs, Baltimore. Houston, Cleveland, Chargers. Not in that order. Not in that order. Although I could see the order you listed them in happening. Yeah, I might put Cleveland at the six, not the Chargers. NFC. Right, NFC. Uh, Philadelphia, Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, Rams, and Dallas. Interesting. And your Super Bowl pick. Super Bowl rematch of two years ago, Philly versus Patriots, and Carson Wentz actually gets the Super Bowl ring that he played in. Super Bowl they played. <laughs> the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Yep. Over the Pats. Yep. Disgusting. <laughs> hey. Okay, Kyle Earhart, you are next. Sorry. I might change it because I love Drew Brees, but I, I just didn't want to put the same thing as James. New England, Baltimore, Titans, and the Chiefs. And then my wild card, I'm going to pick the Bills. Ooh. And I'm going to pick the Houston Texans. Ooh. I don't think the Chargers make it. NFC? NFC, I'm going to go with the Cowboys win the division. Then I'm going to go with Minnesota, New Orleans, and the Rams. And my wild card teams is Philly and Green Bay. Oh, so you got, wow. You got Minnesota win that division. Okay. So, your Super Bowl pick. Saints, New England. Saints win. Make it nice and quick. I just didn't want to do the same thing. Damn. All right, so for me, uh, I'm going to go different. I'll start NFC. In the NFC, I have the Saints. I have the Rams. I have the Seahawks. I have the Packers getting back to the playoffs. Um, I have the Cowboys. And I have, I believe I had the Vikings. Yes. I have the Vikings. I say that in confidence. <laughs> AFC. Pats. Ravens. Chiefs. Texans. Um, tough. You know what? Steelers. Chargers. Put them in there. I'm sorry. Chargers. As the five, and then as my six. Cleep. No, Steelers. Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Somebody had to get on the bandwagon. 
the Super Bowl Saints over Pats. <laughs> I just wanted it to be different. I would pick the same thing. Why would I pick Jacksonville in the playoffs? I truly think this defense is good. I think Fournette has a clear mind. They have the receivers, and if Foles comes back at the right time, this is a team that could sneak in. I don't think the South is that good now. With Luck being out, you know, Jacksonville will probably split with Houston. I think they'll sweep the Titans. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. Man, I'm regretting that. Maybe I should change to the Steelers. <laughs> I don't I know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Bills. On that note, guys, we thank you all very much for our, for tuning in to our live show tonight. On behalf of Kyle Earhart and Kyle Russo, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you a good evening. You've been listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good night, everyone. Are you drunk enough? Now to judge what I'm doing. Are you high enough? To excuse that I'm.